we strive. And you think, don't you deserve something? But you don't. I am here to help change the fitness industry. So I basically lived in a cave for 60 days. Over 420 pounds to the lightest I got was 209. Bill McCullough, Vice President of Creative for uh, the NFL. Entrepreneurs are selfish at the best of times. How far can my talent take me? Prepare to be inspired. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Today we have Andrew Vasilic, who I didn't know how to say his last name for about two years until we had this podcast. So definitely one thing I learned from this. So basically, Andrew is the well, the co-founder of Startup Soft, which is the developer and designer and project manager of my app, which is called Perfect, but it'll be called We Strive as soon as we launch again in September. So Andrew is such a amazing human being. Him and his partner, him and his brother are, you know, without them, I wouldn't have my app, wouldn't have my platform, and they've helped so many companies. He's founded tons of different companies. They created a social media startup in Ukraine that had 400,000 followers and you know it wasn't getting a lot of retention so they just pulled the plug. Like can you imagine building a Facebook but for like a, a specific country getting 400,000 users and then going meh, we can do better than this. So that's how good these guys are at creating companies. Their company now has over 80 employees and like I said, if you ever need any sort of app or web development, designing, anything, look up startofsoft.org. Boom, here we go. Yeah, my name is Andrew Vasilik. I am currently a co-founder of a company called StartupSoft. Uh, along with my brother, Alex, uh, we started the company about two years and a few months ago. Uh, at the most kind of fundamental level, we offer uh, a variety of software services to startups. Uh, as the name uh, StartupSoft would suggest, uh, we've worked with people at extremely early stages uh, where we're helping founders get a product off the ground uh, and up to people that are like series b so like fairly large startups uh, raised a bunch of money they have an in-house team uh, and they're thinking of setting up remote operations to cut down on costs uh, talent turnover talent constraints so we help them to build uh, a remote team that's 100% theirs. So we've pretty much worked with companies at all stages. Uh, at the most fundamental level, like I said, we offer uh, software services, but uh, uh, the vision of the company is to increase the chances of success of founders. And the mission, which is kind of how, how we go about doing that, we, um, we address top reasons why startups fail uh, by using software. So if we take a look at the, the first, second, third top reasons why startups fail, and then we try to use software to address them. Uh, the reason why we're using software is because software is one of the largest kind of verticals of a tech company. And there's just a lot that can be done there to, um, to, to improve things. So that's, that's, a, that's a high level intro about what we do. And yeah, and so I, uh, I know you guys are working with like this really cool fitness app right now. Um, just kidding, making a joke. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. I uh, rough crowd. I uh, I've been working with you guys for the past like almost two years, and you guys are exactly what I would want to do if I if I. So basically, when I was first starting off with my app, I was like, I wish there was a company that would take some equity with me and then lower the cost of the development because I was like, what if this blows up into like a Facebook esque type of platform and then the development company gets like a hundred grand and then 
you know, the Facebook company gets a billion. So I always thought it was so weird how few companies uh, work with that model. And then I found you guys and it's been an awesome experience. Um, I honestly like every single person that wants to make an app, I throw, I try and throw them your guys way. Unfortunately, 99% of the people that want to make an app never end up doing it. And I literally had two people like yesterday saying, Hey, they want to make this app and I'll always entertain it. And then they never actually do it. So, um, yeah, you guys are incredible. Um, like what, what made you want to, um, we'll go, we'll go back in time a bit. What made you want to get into business in the first place? Yeah, man, I am like, first of all, I'm very happy that you say that. And I think it's, it's not just about cost. Uh, like the fact that we're, uh, we're taking equity and cash for the people that uh, that are kind of at a very very early stage. They want to get a product off the ground. So, um, just just to kind of explain a little bit, we um, we lower the cost of development and the difference between what we should be taking, which is the market rate, and what we're actually charging. We take an equity. So it's it's not just about the cost, which of course is important to to founders because usually in the early days you're broke. You know you don't have a lot of money, so any saving that you can get can, can really go a long way. Uh, but it's also about vested interest. Like I've been on the other side of the table where you know where you're sitting with uh, many times before, and I've worked with offshore companies, with people in Asia, with people in Eastern Europe, with people in South America. And the problem is that you're working with people that have very different incentives that, that you do, whether it's a freelancer or a dev shop. Typically, you know, if you're a company that, that's offering software services, your goal is to get as much business out of the client as possible. Whereas the motivation of the founder um, is uh, to, to, to build a huge company. So there's a pretty big disconnect there. Uh, but by taking equity, we have a vested interest in these companies. So not only are we motivated to, of course, as a business to make money, but to also have these companies succeed. Because if they succeed, then, uh, then we succeed as well. So um, to answer your question, what made us want to get into this kind of business is that, that was a personal problem that we had. Right? We, uh, before Startup Soft, my brother and I, we've co-founded several startups and we're not technical. So the problem that we always had to uh, kind of solve for is who, who are we going to get to build this product out for us. And some people, they get technical co-founders. Uh, other people go remote and they, they offshore. Uh, there's pros and cons of both. In our cases, we offshored a lot. We saw the problem. Uh, we figured that we were not the only people out there that have this kind of problem. And that's that, that's, that's the problem that we, we wanted to solve. And um, that was kind of the, the inception of, of Startup Soft. Yeah, man. I've enjoyed the whole process. And I mean, it's what you guys kind of did is kind of like when someone wants to... Um, someone wants to like, uh, you know, build a home or, you know, start like a home building business. It's like, you know, we know we, we want to build this home. We can build it and sell it and all that kind of stuff. But like we need, yeah. oh, sorry, I'm doggy bargain. Um, we can build it and sell it, but we need people that can actually build it. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like you guys can see the overall vision and you know how the, the um, it's going to be built and like how, each person's going to work with who, but like you need the actual builders. So that's cool that you guys were able to outsource the development. And that was while you were in um, uh, Ukraine, correct? Or no, sorry. That was when you were in Toronto, you were outsourcing, right? And then, and then you moved to Ukraine or tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we, um, I, I was born in Ukraine uh, when I was 11. So in 2004, we moved to Canada uh somewhere around uh undergrad like i think it was like second third year we started doing startups so we got we became pretty obsessed with starting tech companies with my brother and uh when we started startup soft it was in canada initially but we moved all of our operations 
quite quickly to Ukraine. And the reason being is we realized that the target audience, like the people that we're going to be working with, are startups. So it didn't make sense to have um, like developers in Canada because it's it's crazy expensive. Uh, and we have, you know, of course, roots in Ukraine. So it made sense to kind of move everything um, to Ukraine. And um, now we're, uh, we've got about 80 people here. Uh, spread across two offices, and now we're slowly uh, trying to build a foothold in the States, in, in San Francisco. So uh, I go back and forth, like a little bit in Ukraine, in Canada, and San Francisco. Uh, but yeah, like right now I'm in Ukraine. I, I just got here a couple months back, and I'll I'll probably stay for a couple months and then go back to, to the West Coast. Uh, but we're we're aiming to to build some some operations in um, in San Francisco this year. That's awesome, man. And what, um, <clears throat> so, uh, you, was there any other like, uh, option for you when you wanted to do development? Like, obviously you have ties to Ukraine, so you wanted to go back there, but did you ever think about going to any other states or countries or continents or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, we've worked with, um, like Asia, with Eastern, uh, Europe, with South America, uh, there's pros and cons of each. Uh, I, I might be biased, but I think, you know, if you kind of look at the stats, Eastern Europe tends to be the best balance of uh, quality and cost is definitely not the cheapest Like you can find. Uh, Asia usually is the, is the lowest um, of the cost, uh, but uh, it's in my opinion, it's the best balance. Like uh, South America typically tends to be the most expensive, but you have the benefit of time zone, right? Uh, like if you're working from. Um, if, if you're based in, let's say, West Coast and you're working with somebody in India, that's an insanely large time zone difference, right? So the, that, that's kind of the downside. But on the, on the upside, it's, it's cheaper, right? So we've, uh, we work with people in, uh, in different places. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, th- there's definitely great people out there. Uh, it's hard to find them. It depends how you go about finding them. Like if you, you know, hit up your friends and they say, yeah, I've worked with this company, then you're obviously lowering your risk of, of, of having a, a bad experience significantly. But if you go on Upwork and you try to find people, usually, you know, it's like looking for a, for a needle in a haystack. Um, if you're a startup founder, you know, you don't necessarily have to outsource. Like if you can find a tech co-founder that can actually build this thing out for you, that's an option as well. Uh, the problem with that, it's quite difficult to find um, a tech co-founder and it's very difficult to find a good one. Uh, like even um, just to convince somebody to work for free, essentially, this, you know, it's not, not the easiest sell in the world. Um, but, you know, there's there, there's a bunch of option, options out there. It just depends on kind of where you're at and uh, what, what sort of things you're looking for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly insane to try and find like a tech co-founder. Um, and not only, well, actually, I won't, I won't say that, it's not insane to find a tech co-founder. It's insane to find a tech co-founder that knows how to code iOS, Android, and web, <laughs> and also would do it for free and also is an absolutely garbage. So, I mean, yeah, like I would not recommend to any startup um, trying to, to, to try and do that just because like I, I've been doing this app for years now and I haven't even bumped into nearly like everyone either does ios or they do android or web like there's very few people that are very good at all three platforms um in the whole world so i definitely wouldn't go that way like you're right it's like it's almost impossible um and it's funny when i started working with you guys obviously you're in ukraine and people will be like where are your developers at and i'll be like oh yeah they're over in ukraine and every single person across the board i didn't even know this was like a thing but they'd all be like 
oh yeah ukrainians are like super good at developing and i was like what like how is that a stereo like what do you how do you know that <laughs> like yeah like, you know that eastern europe in general like the, like people here are considered to be pretty uh pretty tech savvy like even if you take a look then this this not, might not be a good kind of metric to look at but if you take a look at who hacks who like uh, sony got hacked and <laughs> you know it's 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 usually like eastern europe or asia so uh definitely a lot That's of talent funny. here but it's you know it's just a matter of finding them uh and we have of course the benefit of being ukrainian knowing the language knowing the culture having connections so you know we're, we're actually able to get these people so do you have a lot like your family like split between toronto and ukraine or did they all move to toronto or how did that work uh immediate family like parents and me and my brother we moved to canada everybody else like aunts uncles grandparents friends everybody stayed here do you prefer living in which, which one do you prefer living in that's a tough question <laughs> that's a question like every time i come back from canada or the states to ukraine uh, a lot of people always ask me like what do i prefer uh, it's hard to say, man, like when it comes to like quality of life, obviously you can compare like West coast, like LA or, or, or California to Ukraine. Hello. Uh, but when it comes to, um, at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you prefer living where, where you feel like at home and usually you feel like at home where there's people that, that you care about that are around you. So like friends and family. So I have friends here, I have friends, you know, in, in, in California and in Canada. So I, I, I go back and forth kind of between places. It's it's just hard to say where I prefer. There's there's kind of benefits to benefits and downsides to to different places for me. That's sweet, man. Yeah, I uh never been to Ukraine, but I think at some point I gotta make a trip out there and Yeah, you gotta you gotta come here, man. You go I, I think there's a lot of people here that will, that will really wanna meet you. Yes. Awesome, cool. Yeah, well definitely it's a that'd be that'd be a sweet trip. Um yeah, a lot of people that uh seen my see my budget go up and down over the years. It'd be fun. <laughs> uh, but uh <clears throat> so when you chose that, that you wanted to make USA connections, what made you want to do San Fran? Besides like okay, I guess it's like an obvious answer. I don't even know why I wrote this freaking question. Um but I mean I, I guess I'll, I'll just rephrase that. So like why did you choose San Fran over cities like New York, um Austin or LA? Because I feel like those are the three, like really, and then Denver is pretty booming too. But over, over those cities, yeah, there's there's a lot of tech hubs in the states now, um, like Toronto. Even I, I think it's uh, it was at one point the fastest growing uh, tech hub in the world. Uh, we chose San Fran. Part of it was because of this sort of you know Silicon Valley vision. I think that a lot of uh, founders have, at least I did. Uh, that you know all of these insane companies kind of come out of Silicon Valley and that's just the place to be. Uh, another reason that was the, you know, pretty large concentration of startups there. And that's, that's our target audience. Uh, when I first got there, honestly, I didn't really know what to expect besides the fact that I'm coming to Silicon Valley. Um, but I, th I think for us, you know, it makes sense to be there. Uh, there's probably other cities the, like the ones that you mentioned that are a good choice to have some sort some sort of presence in as well. Like for example, TechStars, they got a presence in a bunch of different tech hubs. Um, so we'll we'll start off with San Fran and we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I've actually I'm actually heading to San Fran in like three days for the first time. Well, I mean, I've landed there like 40 times, but I've never gotten out. So I'm excited to explore the city and see how everything goes. Um, so how did you guys go about creating Startup Soft? Like, how, like what was the process? I mean. I can't imagine flying back to a home country after not living there for years and then trying to build this booming business that you guys have created to this day. So how did that go? 
Yeah, so initially we had a core team uh, from this sort of side project that we were working on before. Uh, so we had a core team of, I believe it was five, six people uh, in Ukraine already, and they were all uh, like tech-focused people. Uh, so like designers, developers, front-end, back-end people. And it pretty much started off just by, um, like, we're a service-based company. So our units, the units that we're selling is people's hours. So we had uh, people that we could sell, essentially. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe that's, that's a bad way of putting it. But we had, um, we had services that we could provide even from the get-go because we had people that could perform these services. So uh, we were uh, like cash generating and profitable from, from pretty much day one. So to, clar- so to clarify, like you have a designer and you can outsource that designer to other companies or people that need the projects done. So you're making money right off the get-go. Is that, that's what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. So it's like, um, like if you're starting, let's say a law firm, like if you have one lawyer, you can already be in business, right? So that, that, that was kind of the, the situation that we were in. We had a core team of tech people and we, it was just a matter of, you know, finding the clients and, and matching them with, with, uh, with the people that we had. And I, and I think a quick point on that, it, it's cool that you guys did that. I think a lot of people, it's, it's kind of, it was kind of like your MVP product. Like I feel like a lot of people think that like you would have to have the, if it's, it's your ultimate vision was to have this full team that can do everything. And I think a lot of people would have ran at that and said, I want to have my, all my developers, designers, I need my project managers, I need my lawyers, I need everything ready to go. And you guys were just like, well, we got designers, we got developers, let's get started. And then we'll create a team around this kind of, so that's cool that you guys did that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good analogy, actually. Like it was that that was pretty much our MVP. And for service-based businesses, you know, you you don't necessarily have like this initial product because you're you're not a product-based business. Uh, but in, in our case, we had an initial service, and we were at first we were going after you know people that are very very early stage, so like just people that had an idea like written down on a napkin. They're not technical. They want to get it off the ground and. Uh, they're kind of, they don't necessarily want to outsource. It's, you know, like I mentioned, usually it's uh, outsourced in a traditional way. I mean, uh, usually it doesn't end up too good for founders. It's not, not the greatest thing in the world. And uh, that was the initial target audience. So that was kind of the MVP or MVS for us. Um, and uh, down the road, we kind of uh, started going after different target audiences. So people that raise capital, people that have an internal team, people that have a product out there, have some traction, but they want to cut down costs, let's say. So we help these kind of people, um, you know, set, set up remote operations and build a team that uh, that's truly theirs in Ukraine. Why was it easy starting it with your brother, or like was that was there like any clashing or anything like that? Like, what's your guys' relationship? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, we we have a very close relationship. Uh, we fight a lot, um, and I think there's you know some people would say that it's not a good idea to get into business with friends or family. Uh, there could be some downsides to that. Uh, like, especially if you like simple example, I mean, if you have, like, if you're, if you're starting a business with a friend, let's say, uh, and you're his manager and, you know, that friend may not necessarily want to be doing what you tell him to do or him or her to do. Uh, but when it comes to me and my brother, we fight a lot, like we argue a lot. And, um, and I think that's, that's a good thing in a sense that, uh, it's not good to have a team that all kind of believe in the same thing. It's important to have people that are disagreeing, people that are kind of throwing different um, different angles at a different um, situations, uh, but the bottom line is we're we're very close. Like we can trust each other. 
And that's that's one of the most important things when you're looking for a partner in businesses, people that you can trust. And there's never been a situation where, you know, there was kind of lack of trust or there's never been a situation where we were like suspicious of each other or or anything of that sort. So that's that's I think that's the most important thing. And I think, uh, you know, we, we we make a pretty good team because of that, because we're because because of the fact that we're brothers. Yeah. Is there like what, what's the equity split? Is there, are you comfortable sharing that? Like, is it like a 50 50 or like do you have other investors now or how, do, how does that work? So we are I, I can't share the exact kind of cap table of Startup Soft. Uh, but when it comes to my brother and I, uh, I think it was the first or maybe the second startup that uh, that we started, we uh, kind of made a deal that whatever that we're going to be working on together, uh, we split immediately. And I think that at the end of the day, there, there's some people that choose to kind of really nitpick and uh, with their equity. But at the end of the day, if you have a successful company, it really doesn't matter if you had, let's say, you know, 50% at the end or 45 or even 30. It's not going to matter that much. So uh, in our case, we agree that whatever we're doing, if we're doing it together, we're splitting it evenly. And that just you know, gets, gets rid of, of, of a bunch of potential you know, problems that could, that could come down the road. Yeah, I just remembered what my first question was going to be. Um, <clears throat> so you you pronounce your last name Vasilik or what is it? Uh, it's Vasilik. Like if you want to, the, the true Ukrainian pronunciation, it's Vasilik. See, I've been pronouncing your name wrong for two years. I literally, <clears throat> I don't know if you watch Harry Potter, but I thought it sounded like Basilisk. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, so I, okay, good to know. I, I, I Honestly, I don't even know why I didn't ask you at any point. It's like, eh, that's probably how you pronounce it. Um, well, cool. And so have you guys, okay. So how did you guys get your initial rounds of funding? Cause like working with, you know, companies like me where we're always freaking strapped for cash. What, like, do you have investors coming on board that are putting in a lot of capital? So you have that funding ahead of time or is, are, are you able to still make a decent amount of money on the margins of your development or what, what is your business model? Yes. I mean, right now we're actually completely bootstrapped. So like I said, we were profitable since day one. Uh, the margins uh, are small, but they're still there. So it's a matter of just planning properly. So up to this point, we haven't taken any outside funding at all, uh, which I think is a good thing uh, because we have a lot more flexibility. Right. We can do whatever we want. We don't have, you know, a strict deadline. We're profitable. We have, or we can even afford to make big mistakes because as long as you're profitable, you're not dying, right? You don't have, let's say, a runway of, of one year and that's it. Then you got to raise again. And if you don't uh, hit the milestones, then you don't raise, then you then you die. We, we don't have that problem. Uh, we are working together on putting a fund uh, where we'll be, actually, we'll be able to do software development entirely for equity. Uh, but that's, that's still in the process now. So for people that don't know, um, a fund is, you know, like an obviously like an accumulation of money. And then basically you use it to either uh, fund startups or, you know, create like an incubator or an accelerator. So like what are you guys using the funds for? How are you accumulating that? What investors are you reaching out to? Yeah. So um, the idea behind a fund, it's not going to be a traditional uh, venture capital fund in the sense that uh, we're not just accumulating money, like you said, and then we're. Uh, distributing it to different startups. So we're not going to be investing cash into other into different startups. The idea here is to create sort of this startup studio slash startup accelerator uh, where we use the capital to be able to validate uh, the market need of ideas very quickly uh, and very rapidly. Uh, so, sorry, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's the same word. Very quickly and very cost effectively. 
Um, so we generate a bunch of ideas, and these ideas could be generated internally, so let's say by us, or we can uh, onboard founders uh, from from other places. We um, bring them in-house, we take these ideas, and we validate them uh, over the course of, let's say, three months. And we use the money from the fund to be able to to cover the expenses. And uh, the expenses, of course, one is building the actual product, and two is is distributing it. So um, if you heard of companies like Atomic, like Rocket Internet, uh, Expa, like th- these are all kind of st- startup studios that that do these sort of things. And they, they've had some some pretty interesting successes to come out of that. So that's that's the, the rough idea. Very cool, man. Very cool. Um, so how many employees do you guys have? So we got about 80 now. Jesus. Dude, there you go. That's awesome. So like what Break down the split, like what, like the developers, designers, like like uh, you know, project, like what, who, who all, who all is on your staff? I want to say I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head. I want to say like the vast majority, of course, is tech people. Um, I would say maybe like sixty out of the eighty is uh, are are people that are on projects, meaning it's anyone from designers to developers to uh, to quality people like testers, uh, project managers. Uh, account managers and the rest would be like back office and admin so like hr uh, finance uh, marketing sales very cool um so what was the process like well actually no i'll touch on that in a second so you've worked with you've you've started like a couple different companies so can you can you touch on like other companies that you founded what those companies did and how that process went yeah so we've um we've done a a couple of things. The most of the companies that we founded were tech startups. Um, the first one was in the educational space called Musa World, uh, and the idea was to provide a different way of learning for uh, post-secondary students, or the college students. And uh, instead of going to lectures or reading a book, and that's pretty much the only way that, that people or the, the the main ways that people learn nowadays, we created these interactive videos. Uh, that covered the entire uh, topic, uh, the, the entire course. So it wasn't just like, there, there's a bunch of videos now, let's say on mitosis or meiosis. Uh, but the idea here was to create interactive videos that will cover uh, introductory uh, introduction to bio from um, front to back cover. So the, the whole thing. Uh, we, the company um, generated revenue. I was, it wasn't a home run, um, but that was our first company. So I think it was... Um, I think it was it was it was a, it was a good start. Uh, the second one was a company called OcoCase. That was a hardware play. Uh, we were creating this iPhone case uh, that looked just like a case, but it had a battery in it and it had a GPS chip in it. And the idea here was uh, when somebody loses their phone or it gets stolen, like usually it runs out of battery or somebody turns it off right away. But if you have a case that has a battery and a chip in it, you could find your phone no matter what. And it just looks like just, just like any other case. Nobody would, would even know that has a battery in it. And this was, I think it was before Find My iPhone. So at that time, if you lost your iPhone, that was pretty much it. All you could do is call it. Uh, now, you know, of course, if somebody steals your iPhone, you, there's not a whole lot you can do with it because you, it's pretty much locked. So you can, you can pretty much just sell it for parts. But at that time, it was different. That company did not get very far. Uh, we ran into some engineering issues pretty early on. Uh, we didn't have a hardware um, engineer uh, that we could kind of consult with. So uh, once we started, like, actually got, tried to get it off the ground, then we saw there was engineering issues that we, we didn't really foresee. 
Uh, after that, we got into, um, this wasn't necessarily a startup, more of a traditional kind of old school type of business in the electronic cigarette space. So this was before the whole kind of jewel explosion. Uh, when e-cigs were just entering the US, they, they started off in China. Then, you know, like five years later, they made their way into the States and Canada. Uh, the market was still pretty small, but we saw that the market was, was going to explode. And we got into it by manufacturing the liquid. So the liquid that people vape and, you know, inhale, the stuff that has the nicotine in it, we were manufacturing it. Uh, we were distributing it. We were initially retailers. Then we got into wholesale. Um, so that was that was quite different from, from like traditional, from tech startups that we're used to, but it was an interesting thing to uh, to be a part of, and after that, it was it was startup soft. We we actually in the middle of of startup soft, we had a small kind of side project that we started, uh, and this was in the social media networking space, uh, where we we spent about three months on it, uh, about thirty k, so not a whole lot of money, not a lot of time. We got the the app and website to uh, about four hundred thousand users, so almost half a million. And we killed it. So that was kind of a side side project that we were working on. But Startup Soft has been the main focus for like the past two years. See, what's crazy to me is that like each of those little projects that like we spent or you spent 12 seconds on could have easily been an hour long uh, interview. Um, I mean, like, so I, mean, I don't even know what to what to touch on, what not to touch on. So like vape, like how, how did the vape vape business go for you? Like were you made really profitable on that like why'd you stop did you get like competition hit walls or what yeah so that, that was actually a pretty interesting start because i used to smoke a lot uh like more than pack a day and uh, one time i had a friend uh and this was like like uh, years before the jewel came out so the electronic cigarettes they, they looked very different than they would look like than what they look like now like it was closer to a brick than it was to, you know, to what a jewel is now. Uh, he had a vape and I tried it. And since then, that's pretty much how my, um, how, how I stopped smoking, at least for, for a little while after that. And I realized that um, my kind of one of my first thoughts when I stopped smoking and, you know, you're spending uh, like 10, 15 bucks per pack and you're smoking a pack a day, that's a, that's a lot of money. So one of my first thoughts when I quit was I'm going to save a shit ton of money. Uh, and then when I started vaping and I started buying all of these little pieces and all this liquid that you have to vaporize, I realized like this thing is insanely expensive. So I started looking into how do you actually make this? And what, what I learned, which just blew my mind is that it costs about like one to $2 to make a bottle of, of juice. That's what they call it. Like e-juice. Uh, and people sell it for like 30, 35 bucks at that time. So we're talking about an insane margin. And this is a very common thing to happen with new markets, right? When some, when, it, when a new market just just starts, or it's a, it's a, it's a small market, uh, there's not a lot of competition. So things like price, things like even product are in the market. They're very like like from from one place to another. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? They're, at, that, that, at that time, people didn't know what these things should cost. And like as time goes on, of course, the price stabilizes. But when we were just starting, prices were insane. So we saw an opportunity to kind of undercut everybody and we came out with a bottle that cost five bucks so that was our kind of entrance to the market how we got started we spent about a thousand of our own money uh, we put together a landing page uh, that just very briefly outlined the the value prop which was like high quality affordable e-juice for five dollars and we marketed it 
a little bit and it was all growth hacking. So we didn't spend any ads on Facebook. And at that time, you couldn't spend uh, money on Facebook ads for e because it was banned. Uh, so we growth hacked it. We went to like forums and we tried to get, you know, as many people interested. And uh, we ended up getting, I think it was like five or 10,000 in pre-orders without having a product at all. Like at that point, it was pretty much just an idea. And um, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's pretty much we use that money to actually, you know, to, to, to make the product, ship it out to people and then go through another cycle. What a cool, what a cool little side startup story. Um, and then with, uh, and I love how you just like briefly talk about making it like basically a Facebook, but for Ukraine, and then you get 400,000 people and then just cancel it. It's like, what is that? What is that story? Like, let's hear that one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in Ukraine and Russia, um, like five years ago, people didn't really use Facebook. Uh, so there was a Facebook equivalent created by a guy called Pavel Durov. And this guy um, then went on to start Telegram, the, the, the messaging app. And uh, so he created a Facebook equivalent called VK. And it's a clone of Facebook, like literally the same thing, but for Ukraine, Russia, like the post-Soviet countries. And uh, because of all the political tension between Ukraine and Russia, uh, there was a point in, I think it was 2017, where the Ukrainian president, he said that um, that website like VK, which was pretty much owned by the, the Russian state, uh, was going to be banned in Ukraine. So imagine if Facebook was banned like overnight in the States. That, that was pretty much the, the equivalent that happened in Ukraine. So we saw there was an opportunity. We knew that Facebook, of course, was out there and Facebook was going to come in and close in the gap. Uh, but there was a huge gap in the market overnight, like I said. I mean, the, the VK got banned. We saw there was an opportunity to beat Facebook to it, or there was a very, very, very small chance that, you know, that we would actually achieve it. But if we did, then, you know, we could compete with Facebook on the Ukrainian market. And we, um, we put together an app uh, for iOS, Android, uh, web, like very quickly. Uh, then we grew it to, uh, yeah, it's like to 400K uh, users. And the reason why we killed it is because we saw the retention was low. Like most of the people, they signed up. Uh, they were interested to see like what this, you know, Ukrainian Facebook-esque website was about, but they were not using it. And the, the reason why they were not using it is because we're, when we're talking about social networks, there's a thing called social, uh, there's a thing called network effect. So when in any social network, the main value comes from users. So for example, if you're registering on Facebook uh, as a brand new user, you already have like tens or maybe hundreds of people that you know on Facebook right away. So that's already a lot of value that you can connect to them. You can be their friends, you can see their content, that's value. But if you're registering for a new website, uh, you don't have any friends on there. And if the value of the website is to connect friends and that website is useless if you don't have anybody on there. So that's exactly what happened to us. We we didn't reach the, the threshold at which when a new user signs up, they have like, let's say five friends. Uh, if we did, then there's a very good chance it could have taken off, but we, we just didn't reach it fast enough. So we figured that, you know, we, we pretty much lost the Facebook. Uh, we had Vice actually do an article on us um, that, um, that the, there was a Canadian company that started a uh, Facebook competitor and, and uh, we lost. So uh, that was a pretty interesting <laughs> experience. I, I wouldn't consider the company a failure, like from my point of view, in the sense that, you know, we, we spend little time, little money on it. Uh, we saw that it wasn't working. We saw that it wasn't working. We killed it. And a lot of, a lot of the times when it comes to startups, like perseverance is one of the most important things that you have. And that's, that's actually one of the things that, um, that you have. 
definitely query. Uh, but on the other side, at some sometimes it's important to know when to let go. So there's some things that are worth kind of pushing through, and there's other things where it's just better to to throw on the towel. And with with that company, we saw that you know we we did what we could, we tried it out, uh, but it's just not going to work out. Yeah, that that's a that's so crazy to just pull the plug. I mean, like obviously you saw like you know Facebook was going to come in and just crush you guys, but like that's crazy that you were. Um, you know, insightful enough to be able to do that. And then also that's so hard to create a strictly social media app. Like people don't really realize like, yeah, you'll sign up for it. And if you don't have buddies on there, you're just going to delete it right away. So that's so hard to like just grow so massively at the same time that every person has their friends on there. Like I can't even imagine trying to deal with that. So that's cool that you guys were able to get as big as you got. Um, so what are, what are the benefits of working with companies for equity? Uh, there's a lot more vested interest, right? If your main business model um, depends on, uh, th that's that's the way that it was for us initially. Like now we, we have other kind of services that are not for equity, it's for cash. But uh, if your main business model uh, is equity, then that's an insane motivator <laughs> to actually, uh, for these companies to succeed. Uh, and you're a lot closer to them. Like you're, uh, you know, with, with some companies, I get pretty hands-on hands um, in some cases, uh, whereas if it was just cash, then, you know, you're just, you're billing by the hour. It's just a, it's a, it's a different, different relationship. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I mean, I, I definitely enjoy the relationship on our end and um, appreciate you guys. And at some point, you know, I'd love to get more involved with your guys' company and, Hopefully we'll have some more funding here soon. So there we go. Um, <clears throat> so what what is uh, – tell us a little bit about uh, Safari Juice, your your side company that you run. Uh, that that was the, the EC company um, before. Oh, that's yeah, what yeah. that was. Got, oh, cool. Got it. That makes sense now. Cool. Yeah, I never knew what the company was. I never really asked, so now we know. So what's what's your role at Startup Soft? Like, what is what is your title, and what do you do on a daily basis? Yeah, so uh, my title is VP, Vice President, which is um, it's a pretty vague thing. Uh, me and my brother, uh, he's the CEO of the company. So we, the way that we split our roles, kind of broadly, he focuses on um, most of the internal things, whereas I focus on more external things. So external could mean anything from like partnerships to sales to marketing to fundraising uh, to like long-term business development uh, that's that's usually my my focus day-to-day -day it varies uh, sometimes it could be just putting out fires uh, sometimes it could be you know working on something more specific for uh, for a period of time it, it it varies a lot but generally it's just external things is, did anyone go with you when you went overseas to back to the or, I mean into the U.S. or was it just you or Yeah, it was, it was just me initially. Uh, I think when I go back, uh, there's a good chance that somebody from the company will will come there, like from from Ukraine uh, to there. Will uh, might be hiring people there as well in the short term. It depends how um, how the like the startup studio on the fund goes but if everything goes well then we'll, we'll be looking to to get more people involved there as well as bring some people from ukraine to uh to the states that's awesome wait what's the uh just out of curiosity what's like the minimum wage in ukraine to the us dollar do you know i, I don't know what the minimum wage is now um tech people usually they get paid a lot 
Um, they get paid w- way above the minimum wage, <laughs> so it's it's kind of hard to compare. Uh, it's a huge industry here. Uh, minimum wage, yeah, I, I don't know. Let's look that up. Um, yeah, I'm so bad with like currency and like the ratio of the dollar to other dollars. I don't, or not even dollars, whatever they call them. Like if, if you compare California, like LA and San Francisco, where we're just cost of living is insane. Uh, like here, it's that's why I told you not to live there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like here, it's uh, some things are actually more expensive than in in the states. Believe it or not, like gas, uh, it's more expensive per gallon or per liter than in the states. Uh, like little like avocados, for example, an avocado here is like almost three bucks, whereas in uh, like San Francisco, if you go a little bit outside of the city to like where they, I don't know, grow them or whatever, like they're dirt cheap. <laughs> you know what I mean? But here they're expensive. But in, in general, like things like rent, like food, uh, I don't know, like alcohol going out, like these kind of things, you know, they're, they're a fraction of what you would pay in the States. That's so cool. Um, so we'll wrap up here. Just kind of what, what is the, what is the best advice you have for someone that's wanting to start a company? Like someone that wants to build their own business. I mean, you've built several. So like, do you have any, like just maybe day-to-day advice or like a first step? Oh man, that's, that's a hard question. Uh, I would say be persistent. Uh, that's, that's a pretty important thing. I mean, you're going to be going through some very shitty times very hard times. <laughs> so uh, you got to be persistent. Uh, you got to be able to push through the hard times uh, to hopefully see the good times. Uh, learn sales. Like the, the main job of any founder is to sell. And it's not just to sell to to customers, but it's just to sell to employees. It's to sell to investors, to partners, to pretty much everybody. You're going to be doing a lot of, uh, a lot of selling. Um, yeah, choose something you're passionate about. That kind of Closely, closely related to uh, to persistence. Because if you're passionate, really passionate about something, then it's a lot more likely that you're going to be persistent. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I would say. There we go. And then, what's a what's a two year goal you guys have for Startup Soft? Good question. Uh, we would we want to get this fund off the ground. Uh, we would want to have some serious operations in the states. Uh, we would op- want to open up a couple more offices here in Ukraine. Uh, we would uh, we would want to expand. Like we we grew about three hundred, like three times last year. Uh, so we would want to at least kind of maintain this rate, if not increase. That w- that would be good to have after two years. There we go, Andrew Vasilik. Uh, I said that right. Yeah, yeah, you got it, man. Boom. Now I know. Thank you so much, man, for coming on here. Uh, yeah, you guys have been such an incredible company to work with over the years. You guys are honestly the reason that I have my app still. Like if I hadn't found you guys, I would have given up. Um, so I really appreciate everything you guys do, the company you created, and just like it's a pleasure working with you guys. So I'm, I'm pumped I got you on the podcast. And uh, really though, anyone listening, if you're looking to make a startup, like this isn't a this isn't a freaking ad. Like I'm being serious. I I work with Startup Soft. They're incredible. Just their startupsoft.org. Check them out. And uh, Andrew's your guy. So there you go. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. And we're we're very happy to have you as a partner. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Seriously, thank you all so much for listening. I couldn't be happier with how the podcast has gone so far. 
I've met some incredible people through this process, had some great interviews, and I just want to thank you for listening. Honestly, um, if you could leave a great review, that'd be awesome. If you could subscribe, that'd be even better. You know, we, we want you uh, listening in every single week. We're going to have episodes every single Monday and Wednesday. I already have a giant episode bank so that no matter what happens, something is always getting published. And, uh, you know, if you want to leave a comment, just let me know what you want to see in the podcast. If you want me to interview different people, ask different questions, maybe have a different theme. I I really don't know. I'm kind of new to this. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening and have an awesome day. We strive.